Welcome to another episode of the Speech Entry Podcast today with Ari Tulla. Hi, Ari. How are you doing? Hey, Jonathan. Great to be here. I'm doing good. Yes, you are in New York. Uh, I'm on the other side of the Atlantic. Um, but it's great that we have technology that we can speak. I'm very glad that you're going to be, you know, spending the next hour with us. And um, very excited to have you on the show. As always, we start the same way in the sense that we would like to know who is it that we're speaking today. And uh, so kind of, you know, as icebreaker for today, it would be great, um, you know, if you could kind of give us an insight on where you are coming from, what is kind of your, you know, backstory, and uh, how did you end up where you are today? So uh, that's a big question. Uh, but let's, let's go there first. Um, uh, so my name is Ara Itulla. I'm from Finland. Um, was born in, uh, in northern Finland um, in a small town called Oulu. And uh, then slowly I've been trickling my way from there into Helsinki, into uh, London, into San Francisco, where I've been living for the last 15 years. And uh, I would, who am I? I mean, what, what words matter to me? I'm a, I'm a father to two beautiful kids that I love the most in the world. Um, I'm a husband to my lovely wife that you know we've been we've talked already about this a bit but you know we've been together this year will be the 25th anniversary for us uh being together living together which is a pretty amazing thing and then thirdly i'm an i'm an entrepreneur um i've built things that's what i do and um i've been super lucky in my life in many ways because i've been able to get into places that uh, i had uh i i was maybe dreaming about as a kid but uh, but it's been uh I think more amazing than I ever expected. Um, I played all my life as a as a as a young kid. I played hockey. That was my thing, and I wanted to. I was dreaming about getting to NHL as any good Finn would. And um, I I was never big enough. I was never good enough. Uh, some of my my peers they ended up there and they ended up playing in the NHL. And uh, for me, it happened a bit later when I got to play in Silicon Valley, the, the startup game. And um, I mean, in my opinion, that's in itself as well <laughs> it took many more twists for me to to get there but uh, so i was um, in in finland my my kind of and excitement and interest for tech and um, and the world of uh, internet uh, started very early my 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 father gave me a pc when i was six years old i was connected to the internet in early 90s um, i was enrolled in old university uh in high school just to get access to the broadband. That was like 94, 95. Um, I became one of the top players uh, of the first online games. This was years before World of Warcraft or Ultima Online. And, um, and that really kind of opened my eyes when I was playing these games and, um, and uh, you know, running a BBS before the, the WWW happened and, and so forth. And later, I mean, I, I was very fortunate in my my university years uh, when I started in, in university I first day I met my roommate and and second day they started the company um, I didn't know what the startup is and um, and there was no funding available but you know I ended up being the first employee in a web 1.0 company building websites for for a lot of different players and you know the company grew to be something like 200 people uh, never raised any money but uh, I was I was there early on and and that gave me a Kind of permission to dream big. I mean, I'm 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 no different than my roommate, and I saw them doing something new. So it gave me a belief of the world that you know anything is possible, and you can build things just by starting, and doing it, and moving one step at a time, and then good thing the good things happened. Later, I ended up in Nokia for a long time. I was uh, uh, running Nokia's um, uh, kind of some games marketing, and then I I moved to Silicon Valley to build a new unit for Nokia to build games and apps. And uh, that was the time when iPhone came out. So really the time when the mobile revolution and the smartphone became the, the big thing. And uh, it was really amazing to see all these things happening and working with companies that, you know, are now the biggest companies in the world early on. And um, then later on, I, I started my first own company, uh, 2011, called Better Doctor. And that was about doctor search company, helping people find a doctor that they love. And uh, we ran the company with my co-founder Tapio for almost a decade. Uh, four years ago, we sold it to private equity. And after that, I was running a bigger company called Quest Analytics, 
uh, a company helping everybody to build doctor networks. So today, Quest is helping almost 200 million Americans to find a doctor every year. And uh, last two years, I've been I've been working in a new company called Elo. Um, it basically is trying to build uh, smart nutrition. Um, we are trying to coin a term smart nutrition. At Nokia, when I was there, we never coined the term smartphone. We called the first smartphone mobile computer. So I don't, I don't want to make the same mistake again and, and not, not do the right thing because smart nutrition is something that you know, can basically help people heal themselves or stay healthy um, by, by doing the right food, the right nutrition instead of having medication. Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, let, let's maybe start at, at that first um, first kind of, you know, significant journey of uh, starting better doctor. Um, you know, I mean, you've, you've, you've come from a different country, you've been in the US, I mean, you've, you've, uh, you, you entered the US basically through through Nokia, right? And uh, I've been working there for a couple of years. Um, I mean, and, and this is already, you know, more than a decade ago. So I mean, in the last decade was pretty significant in, in you know, the overall growth of, of, of that, um, you know, the, the importance of startups and venture capital and everything. So, um, you know, let's maybe jump back to that time of 2011 when you or you know, maybe those months before kind of, you know, jumping into the journey of founding that company. If you compare that to, you know, nowadays, um, what was different and um, how, how was that back in the days to, to kind of, you know, that decision to say like, okay, I'm actually going to start a company in the U S you know, although I'm not from the U S <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, today I'm i uh, I'm an American as I'm a Finn. Um, I have two passports. I, I feel maybe a bit more American today than I felt 10 years ago, uh, after 15 years, um, uh, living in, in California. Um, I, I think the biggest, um, uh, because so I had been building these new businesses. I was the I was find, founding a new company within a big organization. I did it a few times. So the principal idea of of getting people together, uh, rallying them around an idea, fundraising. I mean, it's maybe even more difficult to fundraise in a big company than it is to fundraise from the venture capitalists because big companies are like, ah, I mean, it has to be billion dollar idea. It has to be quickly big, and there's so many people who can say no. Um, and the, if, if the key people say no, then you can never get it through. At least in the venture capital side, you have thousands of people you can talk to, and one of them might say yes. Uh, so in a way, the odds are maybe even better. But uh, it was hard. I mean, I um, was building this idea with my, my, my co-founder, uh, Tapio, who's also my co-founder in the, in the latest company. So we've been together for 15 years. It's a pretty unique story, and you know we are... We are we are we work together really well at this time, and, and we already work together at Nokia, so it's been a, it's been a long haul. Uh, so I think the key for us was that you know are we working on something that matters? We had two ideas at the time. One was called Better Doctor, uh, about finding a doctor, and the other idea was called Social Food, that was a little bit like Elo. So we were trying to build these two ideas, and we were kind of juggling. And I remember really well when me and Tapia and we had a few other people who were helping us. We, we were actually hanging out in the Nokia office uh, in, uh, in Sunnyvale, California. And we, we kind of knew that we we're going to leave the company already. So we had some time, you know, a few months. And we were every day meeting in the meeting room and passing out on a whiteboard and coming up with ideas and writing down documentation. And in the end, we felt that uh, uh, the food idea was too difficult to do. At 2011, there was no platform to deliver food like it's today. Uh, there was no science around uh, how do you, how can you test your blood biomarkers? How do you, how can you test you know your body? The wearable devices were not there yet. Like we had no Apple Watch, we had no Oura Ring, and and so forth. So we kind of put the idea in, back in the in the envelope and decided to focus on the doctor finding. And it felt something that you know we knew how to build apps, we knew how to crunch data. And we knew how to build a good experience. So that was the foundational beginning. And we had a few, few people who wanted to join us from the very beginning. Um, but the fundraising was, uh, was very difficult. I mean, because none of us, the whole early team, had ever worked a day in healthcare. And many investors said that, guys, like, if you want to build a game, we are happy to give you money. Uh, or if you want to build like a, like a, uh, social network type of thing, we're happy to give you money or communication play. 
we were like, no, 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 we want to build a, a healthcare company. And uh, I, I personally had a, a big decision that I had made earlier because uh, healthcare became um, the most important thing for myself uh, in the last 20 years because my, my wife had health issues. Uh, she had a thyroid tumor uh, 20 years ago that was uh, uh, taken away and it led into autoimmune diseases, hormonal imbalances, and, and difficult things, a lot of unknown unknowns. And we were able to fix those with diet. So I became a big believer in this idea of food is medicine. Um, and then later on, we were super unlucky that you know our first, um, first son uh, died. So those were kind of the drivers for me to really focus on this idea of helping people access to healthcare better. And maybe for you, because you know you are in, you're not in the U.S. on a daily basis, so you don't maybe understand how complicated the U.S. healthcare system can be. It is absolute mess, and we're trying to make it uh, more transparent and easier. Uh, but in in a, in a sort, I mean, it is it is it's always difficult to start something new. And I think you know the one we started 2011 was maybe 10 times more difficult than the one we started in 2020 because. We, we had created um, a network of people we knew, investors, advisors, employees. Um, but when you start from the ground up, it is always really, really tough. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, I mean, now that, you, now that you're putting things into perspective, you know, it, it, uh, it again, it, I, I, I always, um, or I have mentioned this a couple of times again, you know, in conversations with people is that, I cannot imagine a different field that has such satisfaction um, to give back kind of, you know, when building and building basically in this field. So then, then health or, or, you know, human health, basically it's, it's really incredible. So I really appreciate you mentioning this. And, um, you know, as, as you said, I, I think it, it, uh, you know, as you said, it's, 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 it's been completely different times, right? 10 years ago compared to now as well, technologically wise, um, you know, the developments, um, that, you know, the fast pace, uh, pacing technological developments compared to 10 years ago are obviously not, not comparable. And, um, maybe if you could compress it down, so to, to that, even, even, you know, it's, 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 I mean, it's been a time frame, right? You said almost a decade that you've been spending to, to, to build the company, right? Um, and, and, and better doctor, if you would compress it down, what would be your biggest learning during that time? So, I mean, you probably reflected a couple of times on it after, after, you know, ending this chapter, what would you, what you, what would you say that are kind of your biggest takeaways from that journey? Uh, let me talk about two things. Uh, number one, uh, kind of the big takeaway for, for me, and then maybe a couple of very practical things that uh, maybe people can take from the conversation. So the, the, the learning that I think came to me uh, early on is that it's just all about hiring the right people. And right people doesn't mean that you, know, you need to hire the best uh, enterprise salesperson right today, but hiring people who can grow with you and who can work with you in the long term to get things done. The core team is, is, the, is the number one factor uh, of a success. You know, we all have ideas, but the ideas have to be executed. And you have to have ability to build things and, um, and, and build them over a long period of time. Because most startups uh, or most ideas that become big, it takes about 10 years or five years, but usually it takes about 10 years. So, if you are thinking about building a company, you need to pick up idea that you think you can work for a decade and you will have enough energy to do that. Many companies, almost most companies that fail, they don't fail because uh, uh, they you know, run out of money. That's often the kind of the, what happens, but they, they fail because they lost interest. The founders uh, said, ah, I, I don't love this anymore. It's too hard and so forth. So you have to have the tenacity, the crit uh, in the beginning. So pick an idea that, you know, you really care. And I mean, I, I truly cared and still care about the topic of, you know, helping people access healthcare. It's a fundamental need, I think, that in the US we are not doing uh, service for anyone today because we have 30 million people 
who can't even access healthcare at all. So we are failing badly, miserably in most uh, standards. And then secondly, uh, you should always think about the hiring in a way that you don't always, you don't need to hire the, the, the right deck for the or the right puzzle piece every now and then, but hire the right people that you want to work in long term and hire a team that is not made out of people like you only. You can't hire the same type of person over and over again. You need to have different viewpoints. You need to have different senders, different age groups in your company. And uh, then you need to build a culture that can really be uh, making this uh, important for everybody. And of course, the CEO, uh, it's easy. The easiest work in a way there is. You need to keep money in the bank. You need to hire the right people. And then you need to show people which way they need to run. That's all you have to do. You don't need to invent the product. You don't need to invent the ideas. You don't need to even build the culture. You just need to do those three things and magic will happen all the time. So I think that's kind of the, the thing. And then one practical thing, I think, at Better Doctor that happened to us that um, is something that you know bugs me a little bit still today. Uh, we went from, uh, at the four-year mark of the company, we went from being a doctor finder website, D2C, consumer website, into becoming an enterprise tool, an API that any company can pluck our data into their apps and use it. So big shift, you go from the consumer focused company, doing SEO and attracting people, building apps for app store into being an enterprise player. And that moment I made a really big mistake. Um, I, I sort of rebranded the whole company and renamed the company to kind of have a new start. And I didn't do that. And, and I think every time you do something traumatic, like you change everything, and when you, we let go half the people and hire the new type of people in, you should always do something like renaming, rebranding the company completely because it gives you a fresh start. And, and that was maybe one of the biggest mistakes that you know I didn't do in that uh, 10 year journey. When you, when there was this moment of, you know, kind of ending the chapter, um, how did you, how did you plan your time after that? Because I can imagine that, you know, after uh, years of a journey kind of, you know, as well, um, I, I think you, you put it absolutely right into this direction, comparing it to uh, playing in the NHL, because um, um, I had a different uh, person as well on the show that, also compared basically entrepreneurship to professional sports. And I think this is a very, very correct comparison in that sense. Um, so after, after, you know, years of, of professional uh, sports, high performance, basically, um, how do you, how do you switch gears? Uh, what, what was kind of the, you know, the switch switching phase basically looking like, how did you decide of like, okay, so, you know, I mean, obviously uh, easily speaking now, but like how is going to be next Monday looking like? Yeah, I, I, let, me, let me maybe talk about uh, before we go there, uh, what happened? Um, because often when you sell your company, you know, that's like a big moment for, for you and the team and everybody. And that happened to us four years ago. And um, we, we didn't sell the company to another company, but we sold it to private equity firm. And um, in that uh, transaction, uh, they were looking for a team to, to join them to run a new company where they took uh, Better Doctor. Uh, they already had acquired a company called Quest Analytics, and they wanted to have new fresh blood into the leadership team of that company. So they were asking us uh, while we we're doing the transaction that, you know, do I want to go and, and lead this new company? And, and does my, my co-founder, Tapio, want to join also? into that uh, journey so often you know you kind of sell your company and then you know you do like a six months and you walk away and uh, this is very different because you know it's like asking you know us to lead a much bigger company and um, and something that's big unknown for us and um, so i mean i'm 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 never saying no i mean that's my my biggest failure in life i i usually say yes and and let's go so i wanted to try it out and see how can I do that. I had never run a bigger company than 100 people and uh, or team more than 100 people. And then, you know, you, you kind of go into this and the first week 
after transaction, you take over as a, as a new CEO. And, and then you learn that we are buying another company. Uh, so we, we bought one corner of United Healthcare, which is the biggest healthcare company in the world, uh, um, network management division. And, and that was supposed to be hundreds of people more. <laughs> so you're like, you go from this small company that you know everybody, you hired every person, and you know you really care about them, uh, of getting a you know, couple hundred more people, and then you're talking about getting hundreds of more people. So that moment was, was really interesting because I really had to look in the mirror and say like, you know, can I do this? I mean, is this something that, you know, I'm able to do? And, uh, but, you know, we were, we were already kind of moving from that direction. And I was like, yeah, let's, I mean, let's try. And I, I ran the company almost two years and, and really it was all about combining the forces, combining the products, building the management team, even like, you know, working with the board uh, to set, you know, all the working operations that, you know, you need in that type of business. So it was almost like running a public company, but you had to do it from, from the kind of ground zero because you knew nobody. And, and then of course, uh, you know, it's also tough because you have five offices around the U S so you couldn't meet people face to face easily and all this stuff. So that was a big learning for me. And I think after that, um, after the two years and, and we found a new CEO to run the company long-term and I went into board role, um, it, it was really interesting. And I was really reflecting a lot when I, when I left the CEO gig, um, we, we decided, my wife, that, you know, and family, that we're going to travel for a year. And we're just gonna, not going to open emails and, and we're going to travel. And I already knew we're going to start Elo. We already had the founding team ready. We had the idea ready. We had been spending a lot of time putting together the plan of what to do. And it was already like I have envelope ready, sitting on the shelf, waiting for me to pick it up and go. Yet we were able to put this time of one year where you don't need to worry about anything. And, and that was, that, that felt amazing. I mean, that moment when you kind of walked away and you were able to, the first week we head out to, to do all the national parks in, in the Western US on an RV. And I didn't read emails for, I don't know, uh, six weeks, not once. I didn't open computer. And that was maybe the best time of my life. Just hang out with the kids and, you know, hang out with the family, uh, cook in, in the, you know, starlight outside and uh, and go hike all these hikes like you know Grand Canyon and Price Canyon and all these beautiful places and uh, but then what happened is that you know we were we had a plan of travel for a whole year uh, to go to Japan to to go to Olympics to go to Europe to go to South America go to Africa all these things the whole year and then of course what happened is that we were just about to head to Japan when the COVID hit <laughs> so that was a really kind of like a letdown because you know you had this perfect year ahead of you and then you kind of you had to say no we can't do it we 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 went around the west we went to Tahiti for a month came back from Tahiti packing our bags to Japan and then COVID is hitting there first and we were like we can't travel we have small kids it's too too scary you know if we get stuck there for for months or m- months and months and uh, so what we ended up doing is that you know two months after that we we picked the elo envelope and I called to the guys and said that maybe we start a company now and not uh, not a year from now. Interesting. Um, what I want to delve into is um, what you, I, I find this interesting. So what you said is like, you know, we've already spent time on it. Uh, we worked on it. We had our ideas ready, ready in an envelope. You know, guide me through this process of, you know, being in one role kind of like you said, okay, switch from CEO to, you know, kind of the board, you know, being your role there at the same time, you know, family life, being a father, and then, you know, simultaneously already cooking up something, you know, with your, um, with your obviously great partner, you know, uh, profession in, in professional life, kind of your, your key partner in that sense, you know, on the side already cooking up this, this new idea, guide me through this process like how how did this look look like you know of like i i, I can imagine i can relate to this you know because i also have uh, you know um have a friend like this with whom you've always you know are cooking up things and thinking and sharing ideas and stuff like that so you always speak about opportunities share things and stuff like that but just guide me through once you have these responsibilities right guide me through this process before 
you know, kind of like day zero, day one of like ELO preparation? I think for for me personally, I'm I'm the I'm kind of guy who is always tinkering with ideas. I have I have many many of them. Um, very few of them have ever turned into a real thing because I know that you know if I pick something up, I'm a very uh, Lotharian in a way or or Fenis in a way that if I pick something up, I'm gonna do it. And if I pick something up, I'm gonna go to this podcast and tell people that I'm gonna do it. And then I have to do it. And I tell everybody about it and so forth. So that's kind of my style. But you know, I have books of ideas uh, that I, I have written down. And um, I think for me, this was um, not, I've been thinking about this for a long time, because like I said, you know, over 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we realized that food is medicine. And we went to this diet style where we do um, very little meat, if, if any, no grains, no sugar, almost like this keto diet that, you know, like Verda Health and others are using that helped my, my wife and I'm still on that diet. And, you know, I look maybe better than, you know, most 44 year old, uh, I still perform pretty well. I still, you know, compete in rock climbing. I, I still do, you know, hundred mile bike rides. So, I mean, I'm, I'm at top of my game. I'm in a better shape than I was when I played hockey and trained twice a day. And it's because of the diet and of the focus and giving time for myself to do the things I absolutely love, which is mainly the outdoor activities, sports, and, and, and all those things. So for me, I had been thinking about nutrition. I had been thinking about food uh, for a long time. And uh, why and how do I manifest myself, uh, my interest? Like I said, I don't necessarily build a new company, but for the last uh, 10 years, uh, with my wife, we've been investing in in companies at early stages. So we we do these small investments from like 10k to 100 thousand dollars. We invested in 50 companies so far, and that's all our own money. We have no fund. I mean, and and we were not wealthy at all uh, back in the days. And uh, we just felt that you know we want to put the money where the mouth is. So we've been able to invest in many companies that have become really great companies today, and we've been able to follow what they do and being being able to basically connect and get to know these people. So I've been following like, you know, 30, 40, 50 companies for the last years who have been in the nutrition space, who have been doing, you know, like Aura Ring, for example, or, you know, Goodex or uh, Thrive Market or Verda Health or many others. And now new companies like Levels Health, building a glucose monitor. So you're going to get to know these people and you learn a lot. And if you invest, then you have an interest to also follow up what they're doing. And with my co-founder, we we traveled a lot. I mean, we were on the road 100 plus days a year. And uh, my my principal idea is that you never stay in a hotel. So we, we basically sleep together and have, I mean, not only with him, but with the management team, we often slept together in one Airbnb. Like we picked the biggest house in wherever, and we go there and we all have our own room and a master bedroom. And then we, we cook together. We cook the dinner together. And with my, my Tapio, my co-founder, we have spent hundreds of days on the road together. And you have plenty of time to talk about over a glass of wine or after the Warriors game or whatever we do together, uh, talk about these things. And that's how it kind of cooks. You know, you are sitting together, you are spending time after a meal or you are getting a drink or you're going to go for a walk or whatever or run. And you kind of percolate ideas. And sometimes, you know, a good idea comes in, you put, put, the, put it down in, the, in a paper and then you later go back to it. But it, it is a process that takes time and you can only do it because we spent so much time together, um, almost more than with my, my wife at once. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can relate to this. Um, so let, let's talk about ELO and concrete. You know, um, I think nutrition as a space is fascinating. Um, more fascinating uh, to the concept of, um, or to this idea of, you know, switching society to, to the words uh, more prevention um, rather than reaction uh, or reactive kind of, uh, you know, um, systems in, in, in regards to the healthcare. And um, because I think just in general, you know, to, to move people out of comfort zones, you know, to move, you know, I think there's, there's just people that love to go outside, love to move, you know, love to do the outdoor sports, etc. But I think that on the majority of scales and the, or, the older people get, right, the comfort zone always increases and it gets more difficult to get people to kind of, you know, physically move and, and, and do sports. Um, whereas nutrition, 
on the on the counterpart, right? It's something that you cannot move around, right? It's something that um, I mean, is your vital, right? You need you need to eat, you need to do things, you need to put put nutrients um, nutrition inside of your um, your body, and that's why I think it's the biggest le- le- uh, you know leverage kind of that um, that we would have in this regard. And uh, although at the same time, uh, our system or society and, and or healthcare system is not really designed towards um, optimizing nutrition. I mean, if we look at doctors or how doctors are trained, right? Um, nutrition is just a fraction of the entire study. And I, I think you know, this is kind of funny if you put it into perspective what you said or what we have in society, right? This, this notion of like food as medicine, right? So, um, Personally, I'm very super convinced on, on this, and uh, I would like to 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 ask you now about you know this, these early ideas of like screening. You said like yeah, you had this first encounter already, you know, privately um, with with the incident, uh, health incident with your wife. Um, you know, guide me through uh, through this process of you know getting to the idea of Elo, looking at different types of companies, what was going on, what you know, what was going on in the nutrition space um, combined with technology, you know, just based in, besides the science that was, that is happening or that has always been done, but as well added to technology, you know, what was kind of the early days going through that? The first thing really for, for me, I think the aha moment was that um, when I saw that um, my, my wife was going through all these, all these health issues, um, uh, first time I felt mortal and I was very young I was 20 something and normally you you don't really um, face these existential problems at that young age on somebody that you know your love maybe you know your, your father or mother or grandma can have some issues but this is like very concrete you know you are you are the person you are next to every day and we are all super healthy athletic you know people so it can happen to you and then seeing that you know the, the nutrition it had an impact um, almost more than any of the, the Western or the Eastern medicine that we were deploying. So I, I just became a believer and I started to think about food and nutrition in a very different way than an average 25-year-old would probably do. So I've been doing it for a long time. I've been reading about it for a long time. I don't have a degree in nutrition. I don't have a degree in medicine, but I, I read a lot and I, I hope I understand the fundamentals fairly well. So that was the beginning, become a believer and, and start deploying it on yourself. The second big, I think, aha moment for me was that, you know, when I started uh, to, you know, for example, being able to involve a little bit on the aura and see how they built the sleep tracker um, and being able to, you know, follow other companies in the space. Um, I realized that it's very difficult to take even like one metric, like HRV or heart rate or glucose or whatever it is, and turn it into a real impactful company. Because many of these companies are now struggling to even answer, so what? So what? If you have a low HRV or recovery score, what that does mean? And at Elo and, and the company I wanted to build, we wanted to build a company for the question, then what? You know, so what we can probably already answer, but the then what is the real deal? Like, what should I do? And I wanted to really build a company that is able to even make it automatic in a way that we can deliver you the nutrition that your body needs at any given time and make it automatic. I mean, we are, we are not there exactly, uh, but I think over time we are, we are getting there. So those are kind of the two uh, things. And then, of course, the third was that... Um, uh, and why we didn't try to even do Elo type of company a decade ago was that uh, you need to have a, a platform and a, and a system that you can build it upon. It's too expensive to build your own uh, restaurants or your own uh, kitchens or factories to build food. Too expensive to in, improve the existing kind of like blood collection system or DNA or others. Those are big billion dollar ideas that other people are doing today. So we don't need to at Elo invent the wheel again. We can partner with the best companies out there. We can partner with the best, you know, food manufacturers, delivery companies, supplement companies, and you name it, anything that will come later. And, and I think lastly, um, you, you always have to build a box when you build a new company. 
you need to define what the box is so you can innovate within boundaries. You need boundaries, otherwise it goes so broad that nothing will ever happen. So when we realized that the, there's, a, there's this idea of, you know, blood testing is becoming a big thing, and this was before COVID. So with the COVID, of course, you know, blood testing grew 11 times in the last two years, 11 times more at home testing than before. So it's a real thing now. It wasn't a real thing when we started to think about this. So that happened. And then also we found out that uh, in the US, um, 60%, 70% of people, they eat pills of supplements every day. Now, nobody, none of them know if they eat the right things or if they do anything for you. FDA, the regulation is really non-existent. So people eat these things every day because of they believe in them, but they don't know if they do anything. And we realized that there's this easy, relatively easy way of looking at testing your body, giving you nutrients and testing your body again to be able to verify that, that the impact is there. So we wanted to build that first uh, box. And now we do, you know, biomarker, blood biomarker based uh, supplementation to people. And that is the beginning. And of course, like I said, we're going to go in many, many different product categories. But uh, it, was, it was possible to build the first box in about two years. Now we're in a market, we are, we are approaching 1,000 members, so, uh, and these people are seeing amazing outcomes today. So it's, pretty, it's been pretty amazing how quickly we were able to build the company. And you know, we are one of the first companies of this type in the world. I mean, and it's, it's kind of science fiction. Now you take blood and you give nutrients to people. It's pretty, it's pretty powerful. Okay, let's talk about the, the product development. Um, so you, you mentioned that due to technological developments, right, you can basically kind of um, do a little bit of puzzling, right? You take a bit, take a little bit of there, um, you know, kind of like, you know, if, if we would um, talk about advancements in sensories, right? In this regard, we would be talking about uh, biomarker testing, right? The hardware side of things. So, um, and then, you know, putting, putting that all together, um, how did you, how did you develop the, you know, individual components um, or these, you know, putting these individual pieces together in order to form ELO? So basically kind of like, okay, so we're going to source this there, but then on the, sci the scientific side, you know, we're going to, I don't know, um, is that part of the co-founding team? I don't know. How did you put this all together in the sense of like, you know, the idea in that regard seems pretty straightforward, right? It's like, okay, so we have a blood test you know, 2020, that's just nothing, you know, super science fiction to think about, you know, let's do blood testing at home, home testing kits, etc. You know, this this makes sense in, in, in the vision type of thing, right? But like putting this together, really operational wise, you know, this, this is a different game. So, you know, walk me through this. The couple couple pieces. So, the, the one piece was that, uh, can we find uh, partners that we can we can collaborate? I mean, we didn't know if people want to collaborate, whether there are people who can do it out of the box. The white labeling of these things was not that common even, even two years ago. Now you have few companies who do only white labeling. So I, I said, you know, to, to, to top of my co-founder, you know, I, I'm, I can go out and, and find the partners. That's what I've done for the last 20 years in every business I've built. I'm the guy who connects things. And I'm, I'm, I'm tenacious. And when I go out there and find, you know, a partner, I'm going to find a partner. So I took that task and um, uh, my co-founder said, you know, if, if, we, if you can find a partner, I can build the connective tissue. I can get uh, the data flowing from the wearable devices, from the blood into our brain, and then we can automate delivery of those things to people. So he's like, I can build that. I can build also the app. I mean, you know, he has built more apps than most people have even used. So he's one of the best people in the world at that. So he took all that task. And then I think the missing piece was what you rightfully said really well, uh, the science. So the first hire we did was Zuzana, uh, um, who's our science director, um, who has been in this space for a long time, um, super critical background, you know, has published in Nature and elsewhere. And she came in and basically single-handedly built a team and a system, the brain, that uh, is taking into account all the different clinical trials done in the world today for the nutrients we use. And he tagged them, he cataloged them, he turned them into the algorithm. So we know basically that, you know, uh, let's say for you, 
we take your age, we take your background, we take your gender, we take your health conditions, we take your eating habits, and we, then we find out if there are clinical trials that have been done to your type of people with certain outcomes. And then that is defining what you get at what dosing. And that's now automatic. And by the way, in LOAP today, you can even read those papers that are relevant for you. For example, related to cholesterol and omega-3 or vitamin D and you know supplementation of vitamin D. So we, that's all now transparent in the app. Uh, but yeah, her contribution was critical of getting um, LO going. And then later on, we, we also hired uh, really, really good people who are nutrition experts, who are building the nutrition products. You know, I could only take it so far because like I said, I'm not the, the biggest expert. And, and we also hired um, uh, a fairly big team of, um, of dietitians today. So we have actually, I think, um, seven or eight uh, dietitians working in the company in a capacity of coaches, as leaders, as uh, uh, writers who are helping, you know, really to understand how these things work. Because again, I, I'm not... I don't have that capacity in me. And even if I would read next five years, I won't be knowing as much as our, our team knows who are experts. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about the, the product itself, right? And, and the, the kind of the, the, the go-to-market strategy, the, the customers that you're targeting, right? Um, so how did you identify kind of your first kind of you know, customer base that you would like to target with this? And how do you envision basically the product being in use. So um, in the sense of like, okay, I'm getting an ELO box, you know, how, 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 how is my next 12 months going to look like? Yeah, so we, we believe that um, nutrition can help everybody. And uh, we believe that the biggest help will be for people who are metabolically sick, people who have type 2 diabetes, people who have heart disease, even people later who have, who have cancer. Um, those are the people who will gain the most. Uh, but we also acknowledge the fact that um, the people who are the sickest, uh, they have maybe the biggest threshold to change their behavior. And they might not be the people who are willing uh, to pay the money in the beginning. And that's very sad, but that's how it is. And I don't think we can forget the point that 75% of Americans today are overweight. 50% of Americans are obese. That's a very different thing than in Europe or elsewhere in the world. So people by default are all fairly sick. Even the people who look good, who are skinny, often they are sick because the food system today is uh, diluted of nutrients. The way we create food, even vegetables, even you know whatever you look at, there's maybe five, six times less nutrients than there were 50 years ago because we are just cultivating the crops in massive scale in monocrops and we are diluting away. They look the same. They look even you know, bigger than before, but they don't have the nutrients we used to have back in the days. So even myself, I found that I had a lot of uh, uh, deficits in my blood work when we did it in detail. So we, we basically looked at this in the beginning a long time and decided to go direct to consumer. Uh, because we are, we, are some, we are doing something very new and novel. And we knew that there is a lot of appetite, I think, with employers, with the health plans, with the government. But it won't be today. It will be next five years, I think, when we're going to start, start seeing really like a, a massive shift of uh, medication to nutrition as medication. But there have, the, have to be first companies like Elo and others who are validating these modalities. So we, we couldn't go enterprise first. And also we were, let's say with, uh, with, with Tapia and the founding team, we decided that you know, we just run an enterprise company for seven years. And we love the beginning of Better Doctors, the beginning to help consumers directly. It was really the funnest time we had with the company. So we said, let's build Elo in the same way. Let's first go to consumer directly and find thousand to ten thousand super fans who really care about this and ha can help us build the better product so the elo persona is a lot like uh, like me today um, men and women who are we call them performance driven optimizers people who already are trying to get healthy they are tra tracking things in their life 
uh, maybe they drive a Tesla, they use the Apple devices. Um, and, and often they, they, they are rather wealthy because you know, you have to, this is not free. We have to pay today it's 99 bucks a month. And I mean, that's not affordable for everybody yet. I hope we can put it lower later. Um, but that, that is the group that we go after first. And, um, and uh, we have had a lot of fun to work with the early customers together. And we talk with them every day. Uh, we really try to make, you know, so that we build a great product that they care about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this strategy, uh, this strategy is observed uh, among a lot of uh, companies in, in the space that are, you know, working towards more personalized um, health in that regard. Um, and it's a very clear and, and and thought thought through strategy in that sense. But you know, let, let's let's talk about um, you know a customer use case. So I'm ordering an Elo box. Um, so I'm I'm getting my box. You know, what is awaiting me? What is the process looking like? The first step uh, with Elo Soren is that uh, you can go to web at um, elo.health, the website. You can sign up there, and um, a day after you're going to be we're going to ship you a biomarker test at home. It's a box that comes with the finger prick and a, and a blood collection device. You prick your finger at home. You send it back to our lab. It takes about four or five days uh, to analyze your blood. And then we have added a layer of coaching. So our LO dietitians are going to hop on a Zoom with you. We're going to have a half an hour conversation about uh, your blood work of your questionnaire you did on the app. And then also uh, looking at um, your variable data if you have connected your Apple Health into Elo. And they basically talk you through what you need and why. And um, once we have done the, the call, then we are shipping the first monthly supplement packet to people's homes. And we do the blood testing again at the 90-day mark to validate the outcomes. What people should expect today, 90% of people who come to Elo have issues with the blood work when we do it. We only have had, I think, three people so far who were all green. And, and they were, they were you know, very happy about it, of course. And uh, what are we testing today on the blood? We do the lipid panel. Think about the cholesterol, LDL, HDL, triglycerides. That's about heart health. We also test uh, your diabetes marker, A1C. We test your inflammation markers called homocysteine to understand whether your body is in a stas, stas, what state of inflammation. We also do some minerals, vitamins like iron. We do B12, we do vitamin D. And that is a kind of pretty comprehensive view into your health inside you. And what to expect in the first six months, 90% of people have improved the biomarkers in a dramatic fashion in the first six months. We have had people who came in with the red and yellow values and they walk away with most green values at the end of the six months. And that to me has been the biggest single thing that you know has blown me away. I mean, I'm not saying here that the supplements that are micro-optimization can make that happen. What happens is that people work with their codes. So in Elo app, you can connect to your codes every day if you want. And you can get guidance on what to do, how to change your breakfast, how to change your lunch, how to change your dinner, how to change your recovery. And some people use the codes a lot more than others. And the people who use the most, I mean, are seeing dramatic outcomes. We have had people who are massively healthier at the six-month mark than the, when, when they were the walk-in. Uh, but it's not only because of supplementation, it's because of the whole program we built at Elo. Yeah, so it's it's basically um, you know it's a testing, it's the um, the supplements that that are coming on top of that, and it's the coaching which which adds an you know an intelligence layer kind of you know on top of um, changing lifestyle or certain kind of you know tweaks in in behavior basically. Um, yeah, that that's interesting. So um, when when you're saying about uh, that ninety days um, mark, basically testing again. Uh, so, you know, biomarker testing basically every 90 days. Um, how is that operationally wise being executed? Is that basically, you know, with the same stick or device basically that, I'm, that, I, that I got sent in, in the first place so that there's no need for you to guys kind of like send, send, send something again? How, how does that, I, because why I'm asking is because I was thinking about how, 
you know how how scalable is that or how you know kind of on a long term because you need obviously you need to be continuously testing right because your body is just changing there's different kind of inputs etc coming in um there's a constantly kind of like um changing um processes within your biological state um how how have you thought this through and then do you think this is also potentially going to be changing like whether there's probably going to be like an advanced um you know approach towards this great question uh today we again we have a box that we started to innovate in and i want to be within a narrow box because then you can really innovate we deliver people um supplements monthly every time in a new box um we deliver every 90 days you a new box of a test kit Uh, those are kind of the moments that we remind you when you get the physical thing, then you have to do something. Um, and I mean, I agree that, you know, environmentally or uh, cost perspective, sipping all the time people things is uh, not ideal. But um, I mean, in the US, people are so accustomed to get Amazon boxes every day. Like we get boxes every day, multiple boxes today. And we haven't been in a grocery store, for example, I don't know, in five years in my family everything comes to home and i mean it, it in the bay area new york i mean it's insane how how advanced the, the delivery is so it's not really that big of a deal anymore but your point is is a really good one so absolutely the world is moving so if you think about the testing let's talk about the biomarkers so for elo and for me biomarkers are two things the biomarker is basically means like a, a liquid or saliva or something about your body that can be tested uh, and we can find out different things about it. I also include in biomarkers in my lingo uh, digital biomarkers like my HRV, like my glucose or whatever I can do, uh, my weight as well. So it's a broader concept. And today with the supplementation, we are mainly focusing on the 90-day cycle. But with the other products we have coming later this year and the next year, we're going to be focusing on a daily. Maybe it's about your sleep. Is your sleep quality improving because of certain nutrients that you get on a daily basis? And you can then track it a lot easier without having to prick your finger and bleed, which is uh, painful and, and difficult. And I don't know if you know, but there are companies, for example, like Core, C-O-R, there's a company called Q-C-U-E, uh, that are two companies that are developing at home uh, blood testing kits where you can take extra drop of blood. And of course, you can do ketone testing already. You can do glucose testing from your finger strip. So that, in my mind, is the future. We're going to move in the next 10 years from this idea where we used to go to the lab and they, you know, draw like, you know, five vials of blood from your venipuncture, super painful, super scary, uh, into dropping like five drops of blood into a card or collection device. But in 10 years from now, we're going to all do it at home. Uh, so the Terranos uh, uh, concept will be real. And I mean, some companies are already getting there slowly. But keep in mind, these are mainly testing one thing at a time. So one essay, like CRP for inflammation or the glucose. None of them can yet do uh, the 12, 15 biomarkers that we do at ELO because you have to divvy up the sample and use different te testing techniques to get them all. Yeah, I think... So what I talk about as well, um, so I think, which is interesting is to think about this concept and, and I'm, I'm, I would like to get your opinion on, on it is, um, how do you think about switching from targeting the high performers, you know, the, um, the ones in the world that have got lucky uh, in the sense of, you know, bo being born in the right place or being born into the right family or, you know, getting the right education, et cetera. I mean, all of these things, right. That um, yeah. kind of like make you, being aware um, of, you know, all these things, you know, that there's things such as, you know, putting the right nutrition in and stuff like that, optimizing your health, etc. all these things, right? And then kind of switching towards, you know, the broader mass or on the scale, right? Where the biggest leverage is towards kind of, you know, not just economically, uh, from an economic perspective of like, you know, unlocking this huge economic, you know, value from a, from a business perspective, but also from the, you know, kind of, um, yeah um perspective on the healthcare system right so this uh this uh, romantic uh, idea as well about uh, about about this this area of being in business right how do you think about switching 
making it happen towards you know being able to target or or serve these people as well on scale it's a great question and i mean this is one of the big big topics of our time um why i think it's so critical to build uh, kpis these measurements in the companies that are not only economic based but also impact based uh we were captive we have a we had to count or how many people we helped to find a doctor at the better doctor on the wall together with the you know, revenue and all these things um, now we are looking at elo the same way like how we are trying to quantify the impact we have had on people's lives and that to me is the most meaningful thing because if you can really impact people's health you know they will tell other people and you know good things will happen so if we look at this from macro perspective uh today the u.s healthcare system is four trillion four thousand billion dollars a year the global healthcare system is 10 trillion 10,000 billion dollars a year. US has 4% of the world population, yet we spend 40% of the healthcare cost. That's insane. There's not a single other market where US would spend even 20% of the global spend on any given market. So we are if you put healthcare in a in a graph where you have like how is US performing on other things? It's like a Mount Everest. And it doesn't usually it doesn't even fit the fit the bill. Other way, how I look at this, and I often talk when I do talks. I saw a slide where there's a, a life expectancy and healthcare cost, because isn't life expectancy a pretty good measurement of a healthcare system? I think people would say yes. You basically put the graph out there, and it's funny because I can't fit the US into the graph. I usually have like you know a, a keynote where you look at the market. There's all the countries are on a line. You know, like Switzerland spend a lot of money, they live long. Japan spends quite a bit of money, they live the longest. Then US is basically like number 40 on the life expectancy, yet they're like a mile away. Like you, you have to put like three sheets of paper between the other countries in the US to even sell them there. And people after that, they see it, they're like, huh, that's crazy. So we have a completely messed up system in the US where you have three players, three set of groups of players. You have payers, government health plans and em employers pay money. You have hospitals and doctors who give care, and then you have pharma and medical devices who create these things that are prescribed. And they all are running in different directions. They're just making the triangle bigger and bigger every year, which doesn't help. I mean, the cost is growing every year uh, exponentially. And the drug cost today is so high that we could basically give free food for almost every American. And we would lower the total cost for society if you combine healthcare and food together. Every invested dollar in good nutrition would lower the healthcare cost by $3 invested into the food. So in a way, the economics are there. We just need to make this evident for the market and for people. Because of course, the government, they can't start paying people for food because otherwise it will be McDonald's and you know Yamli Group selling. Oh, we want to be playing the game. Give us the money. We're going to deliver you know pizza and or Domino's pizza, whatever bullshit you know that kills people today. So there has to be scientific evidence and validation. And I, in my opinion, we have to treat the big food, not all, but the big processed food companies as tobacco. We have to ban them away. That has to be done, and it's been done now in many countries already. I just came back from Mexico and I noticed in the airport first time that they are now adding symbols in every snack item, for example. There are three different symbols, too high fat, too high sugar, not good for your heart, processed food. Same as we have in tobacco, telling you, yeah. you know, die. We have to do those things. And, you know, so it's basically, I, I, I think it's evident that we have a system where we will subsidize nutrition for people. And the good thing in our, my mind is that everybody is spending already money on food. We all have to buy food every day, like you said in the beginning. So it has to happen and it doesn't need to be a huge added cost because for us to give you good food, it's not that much more expensive than the bad food. 
get your point, but I mean, we need to get to the point where we are changing behavior, right? Because, which is actually funny. So, I mean, if we take healthcare system, right? So, which you're, you're coming from this US perspective, right? I'm trying to kind of compare, you know, people in Western world in general. And I mean, you know, you being from Finland, right? Um, you, you know, the same as, you know, this big comparison between the US and, for example, Europe in the sense of the healthcare system, right? But that doesn't mean that, so if in Europe, for example, you know, if, um, you know, kind of roughly saying you have somebody that is taking care of you in that sense, right? There's a system kind of, you know, backing you if, if you're getting sick. That doesn't mean that um, the 25-year-old uh, Ari, right, is, is, is going to be living mindfully um, regarding his health, right? If there's not a case, specific case that is going to be hitting him, which is going to be making him to be conscious about health. Right. So that's the thing about human nature. Right. So we have like two decades where we can live recklessly in terms of our lifestyle. Right. We can eat whatever we want. We can drink whatever we want. And, and that's what that's this whole notion about uh, lifestyle related diseases. Right. Because we start to be paying at the end of 40s or 50s for most of the people if we're not being hit by genetics or something like that. Right. So the question is, I think it's, it's very much in, in the sense of like, how are we on scale be able to change behavior? I think this marker thing, which you just mentioned in terms of like, you know, to, to ban kind of like, you know, these companies or to kind of place, you know, signs in them, you know, that the, the, these foods might, foods might be bad for you. That's, that's the first, first, first kind of like thing to do. Right. I mean, smoking also went kind of like a little bit lower than, than decades ago, but is that enough? I don't know. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's probably, not not as trivial right to 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 change behavior on scale i, I think it, it's almost impossible to to change behavior if we don't acknowledge that something is bad and i i always use this analog in a way that first of all uh we talk about fake news a lot in the us uh i think that the nutrition news are the real fake news they started because you know eggs are bad eggs are good Bacon is good, bacon is bad, sugar is good, sugar is bad. I mean, every day you have a different whiplash and people are super confused. Even I'm confused. And then you go to a store or you open a TV and every ad you see on TV is something that you should never eat. Every aisle, end of the aisle, every promotion slot in a store is something you should never eat. There is no lobby organization for kale or maybe like tomatoes or whatever. I mean, it's, it's a completely... Uh, crazy world where we are bombarded since we are very young with these ads. And don't forget the fact that in the US, I said, you know, McDonald's, Yamli, other ones, they, those companies today own US schools. US public schools often are giving this type of food, like the Pizza Hut, kids since they're five years old. And they get accustomed to taste pattern that is this addictive cocktail of fat, sugar, and, you know, bad oils and, and, and so forth and salt. So how can you change if we are basically driving these small human kindlings into a world where they eat the bad food every day? What should we do as adults? Like, is, are we fine by that? So I think we are just doing a massive disfavor for the society today. And the, the, the funny thing here is that you have now, you know, the millennials or the Gen Zs and, you know, like, you know, you are millennials. So alcohol consumption is almost zero in the U.S. I mean, most pe more people will smoke pot than drink alcohol now on the, on the Gen Z. I mean, th think I saw a number. I might, don't quote me on this, but, you know, I think it was something like 30, 40% of the Gen Z are vegetarian. They don't want meat anymore. So things are already changing dramatically in the younger generation. But, you know, I think the 40, 50 somethings are not going to change. But the, the fundamental problem that I think people don't realize is that we are now looking at the obesity crisis and we are looking in a back view mirror. The people who are now in their 30s will be sick when they are in their 40s and they will likely not live as long as their parents did. So most people don't know this, but in the last five years, the life expectancy in the Western countries, many of them, has declined. First time ever. It did decline during the First World War, the Second World War. But even during the plague, it did not really decline globally. 
And now we are seeing a declining lifespan for the first time in human history. And that is something that you know, we made happen. Pollution, bad food, bad nutrition, and of course the opioid epidemic in many places are impacting and COVID of course the last two years. But something bad is happening. And I think, I think the time is now and the next 10 years to take and actually use the hammer that is, uh, I think, possibly government uh, might not happen in the US, will definitely happen in Europe and around the world, where we cannot, we are already taxing, you know, sugar, we are already taxing the processed food, some places, labeling them. People will not buy stuff if it's more expensive. Ari, unfortunately, we're, we have run out of time. I don't want to hold you off too long. I know you got stuff to do. I know you got to build, uh, build uh, things. It was uh, really incredible to have you on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. You know, uh, you should be definitely back for part two, um, you know, in the future. So thanks a lot for being on the show. Hey, thank you. Really, really great, insightful questions.